Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Amen, amen. On this Palm Sunday, our message is God weeps for our peace. He weeps for our peace. Look into the word of the Lord in the book of Luke, chapter number 19. Book of Luke, chapter number 19, verses 41 through 44. 41 through 44. Now as he, this is Jesus, drew near, he saw the city, which is the city of Jerusalem. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Let me hear you say wept. He wept over it. Saying, if you had known, even you especially, in this your day, the things that make for your peace. Let me hear you say peace. And now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. Surround you. And close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. God weeps for our peace. Let us pray again. Father, Lord, we may not always have everything we want. We may not have everything, Lord, that we hoped and desired for in this life, but one thing that we can have, and it's the greatest thing that we can have in this life, is peace. And I pray for the power of your shalom that you gave us. Not peace as men give it, not peace that this world understands, but a peace, amen, that can cast out anxiety. A peace that we cannot even understand, and you came to give it to us. And I pray for everyone that wants it today, that they walk out of here with it. In Jesus' name I pray, and let the church said, amen. 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 This is the beginning of Holy Week, a special week for the Church of the Living God. This is the week where we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. It's a week just like Christmas. We like to talk about the birth of the Lord. And this morning, this Wednesday evening, when we receive communion, and this coming Sunday, you're going to hear a lot about the death, the burial, the resurrection, the good news of our Lord. How many could hear a little bit of good news in your life right now? I've got some good news for you. I've got it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at the history, look at what happened, and look how it is interpreted and applied to our lives. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that when Abraham and Lot, his nephew, parted their ways because of conflicts between the shepherds, One day, Abraham got word that there was a great war that had broke out in the land, and his family, Lot, his nephew, and his family had been taken captive. And the Bible says that Abraham did not stay still, but he got all of his people together and all of his resources and chased after the enemies of the land and recovered Lot, his family, and recovered the spoils that they took during that war. And on his way back to his own land, in the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through a city called Salem. And the king of that city came out to meet him, and his name was Melchizedek. 
And Melchizedek came up to Abraham and smiled and lifted up his hand and blessed him in the name of the Lord. And Abraham paid him 10%, a tithe of those spoils. And Melchizedek broke bread with him and served him wine and refreshed him and blessed him. There's a lot of ideas on who Melchizedek was. I like to believe just what the Bible says about him. He had no mother or father, but was made like the Son of God. He served a purpose for Abraham to meet in that city called Salem, which would one day be Jerusalem. It was like a prophetic glimpse. Melchizedek was made like the Son of God, perhaps like an angel to be a representative until Jesus came in that city. But one thing we learn there in that city of peace governed by Melchizedek, we learn that a man gave unto him and he was blessed. And not only that, but he went after to save the soul of one of his family members. And that is why he was blessed. And I've come to tell you, not one made like the Son of God, but the Son of God is here for all those amen who will give and for all those amen who will chase after lost family, who will go to war for your loved ones, amen, who will leave the comfort of your own home just to chase after somebody, amen, that you may have parted ways with a long time ago. I've come to tell you in this season, you may just be one phone call away from restoring a relationship with somebody, amen, and bringing them back to the house of God, hallelujah. Oh, that's the way of peace. To restore peace, amen, with somebody that you deeply love. Hallelujah. You read later on in the Bible story, Salem is no longer called Salem, but called Jabus. It was the city and territory taken by the Jebusites. But Israel had a command and a promise from God to Abraham that everywhere that he sets his footprints, that land belongs to you. And inside of that boundary was a city called Jebus. And David the king, the one who took down a giant, him and his army came up against that city, a great fortified walled city. And David spoke to them and said, this city is ours. And you know what they said? Our blind and our lame repel you. And according to history, the Jebusites had two big idols on their wall. One that was a blind idol and an idol that laid on top of the wall that was considered lame. And their idea and their pagan ideology was that their blind God, their blind idol, would strike their enemies with blindness. And their lame God would strike their enemies with paralysis. But David, I can just imagine, just like he looked at that, the lion and the bear, he looked at the giant that day, said, if I can take down lion and bear, and if I can take down a giant, I can take down a blind and a lame idol. And they got up into that water shaft, got into that city that God promised them. He conquered it and completely erased the name of Jebus and proclaimed it the name that God wanted for it all along. And that is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And I've come to tell somebody today, I don't care what idol the enemy sets on its gates. If God told you to have that city, if God told you to have that territory, not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. You may be up against an enemy, amen, that's trying to take authority over what God promised you. I've come to tell you that God of peace will erase even the memory of the enemy against your soul. Even if you got to climb up a water shaft, even if you got to break through a wall, amen, God will fight the battle for you on this Palm Sunday. Oh, everybody clap your hands unto the Lord. 
and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And David said, we're no longer calling this Jebus, but we're calling it, in the Hebrew, Yerushalayim. Let me hear you say Yerushalayim. You just spoke Hebrew, and you just spoke the city of peace. That was the history of that land and territory that our Lord rode upon a donkey into. A city that one like the Son of God governed. And a city, amen, that David, the forefather of Messiah, came in and conquered and said, This is the city of peace. Melchizedek served bread and wine to Abraham. David conquered the blind and the lame idols. And you look at what Jesus did in the city of Jerusalem with his disciples who had left all to follow him to restore and to save the lost house of Israel, just like Abraham did for Lot. And what does the Lord give him? Bread and wine, saying, I will no longer drink of this again with you until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You know what he's doing? Blessing them in the city, just like Melchizedek blessed Abraham, blessing their lives, blessing their ministries, blessing their futures. And you know what else Jesus did? The son of David, when he came into that city, where's one of the first places he goes to? A pool. And who is there? A lame man. And he says to that lame man, just like David came against the lame idol, Jesus came against that lame sickness and disease. And he said, I say unto you, rise up and walk. Amen. And that man started walking. Praise the Lord. He walks outside and sees a blind man. And where does Jesus send him to? Down to the pool of Siloam. And he washed his eyes, and all of a sudden his sight was restored. Just like David came up the water shaft and conquered the city. Through the water of the city, amen. Jesus Christ conquered the lame, and he conquered blindness. That's the peace of our God. And I've come to tell you, amen, the Lord can cast out even your sickness today. On Palm Sunday, praise the Lord. You were with us last Sunday. Sister Flo Shaw preached to us a marvelous word on dreaming big. Dreaming big. And some of you that were here earlier, we had a lady visit here her first time here. Her name was Michelle. She came in here with cancer in her body. But we got the church to praying right before service, and I got the report. She went to her doctor on Tuesday. She is cancer free. Absolutely cancer free. That's the God of peace. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. That's the type of things our Lord does because He wants to bring peace to His people. Hallelujah. After David. His son Solomon came and brought not only a level of peace, but a level of prosperity to the land. But then after that, the kingdom divided and wicked kings came to the throne. Wicked kings who said, you know, we don't just need the great God of our fathers, but we need to be like the nations round about. Look at their success. Look at their prosperity. Maybe we should share in all of that and bring in their gods and bring in their sinful lifestyles. The young prophet Jeremiah, a young man, God woke him up early in the morning, said, I don't care how young you are, I'm putting my fire in your bones. You've got to always talk for me. 
And a 12, 13-year-old boy stood on the temple steps and watched as priests older than him walk in with idols from foreign lands and set up their idols in the temple of the living God and began to perform rituals for them. He looked down towards the south, the city that one day once was a city of blessing and prosperity and protected from the enemies. That's what David did. He fortified Jerusalem and the enemies never took it down. Matter of fact, the only time David ever wept over Jerusalem was when his son led a rebellion against the city. That's when he wept for that city. There, Jeremiah, hundreds of years later, is on the temple steps, seeing the idolatry throughout the land, seeing the people of the living God practicing the pagan ways, and looking down towards the south, he saw smoke coming up from the valley of Hinnom because they had built an altar to Molech, and they were there sacrificing their own children. And he's there on the temple steps, caught between the temple and the idols of the land. And what does he do? He begins to weep for that city. Because he knows if the people did not repent, what would happen there. But just as the Lord commanded, he preached and he taught them, repent, turn from your wicked ways. The path to peace is not peace with your enemies, but only peace from Almighty God. For the foreign nations cannot give us the peace that you long for, but it's God Almighty who will heal you and protect you and guard you in this day of darkness. Mm. Jerusalem became that famous city known as the city that killed the prophets. History says that Manasseh cut Isaiah in two. History says that Jehoiakim stoned the prophet Zechariah And even in the New Testament, the king, Herod, beheaded John the Baptist. That's the city that the Lord came to save. A city that if you think about it, why would God want to have anything to do with it? You know what God's mind was on? How it once was. A city led by a great king of peace by the name of David. And the son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, was coming in there to save it. Jesus not only wept for Jerusalem that first day of the Holy Week, but he wept not many days before that over Lazarus' tomb. Not because Lazarus had died, but he wept because his followers did not believe he could raise him up at that time. In Jesus' mind was, he said, my followers have already seen me raise the dead. Even though Lazarus is dead four days, if they have seen me raise the dead before, surely I can do it now. And he does the same type of weeping over Jerusalem, but not because they didn't believe in him, but because they did not accept him. And that is ultimately what makes the Lord cry. It is when we have a lack of faith and a lack of a true desire of peace from God. These two things move the Lord to tears. He was moved to tears for Jerusalem. Although it was a beautiful city being constructed, it thrived. It was making a great name and place for itself throughout the earth. The Lord foresaw what would happen about 40 years from then when the Romans would come and destroy that city. And that's why he told his followers that one day you are going to see the city surrounded with armies. And when you do, don't think the city will stand, but get out of the city and flee to another place. They crucified Jesus. They buried him, put him in the tomb like they did many, many other prophets. And Jesus' word came to pass. In the year 66 A.D., General Gallius led his Roman army against Jerusalem, besieged it, 
According to history, it says that the Christians all left Jerusalem at that time to obey the word of the Lord because Jesus said, you see the city surrounded, get out of the city. And they did, and they lived many generations after that. It was almost as it were a type of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. A warning came, and the people of God came out. And one day that is going to happen to us when the Antichrist lays siege against the world. God is going to take his church out, praise the Lord. But the Jewish people that were left stayed there. And the next morning, history says that Gallius became paranoid. And he and his army left the city. And many of the Jews celebrated and said, we are conquerors, we are warriors, and nobody can take down our city of peace. Little did they know that was just a moment of mercy and grace from the Lord to say they're coming back. And you might not be so fortunate this next time. And it happened. Four years later, Titus, the general, came and laid siege against Jerusalem. There was no paranoia in his mind, but their siege worked. And just as Jesus said would happen, that city that was once the city of peace was laid to the ground. Not one stone left upon the another. Families, lineages, culture, gone, destroyed. That is why the Lord wept. He wept because he knew what would come upon the people. And that city of peace was now the city of ruin, the city of destruction. And all of it could have been avoided if they would have simply believed in the true Messiah. That is the history of what this day represents in the mind of our Lord and his actions weeping for a city. It is our Lord's desire to bring peace not only to the city of Jerusalem, but to bring peace to the entire world. What do we mean by this type of peace that Messiah brings? Is it the peace that the hippies talk about? Peace, man, share, man, right, man? If you're a hippie today, we love you. We love you. Nothing wrong with it. You know, share, man, right? It's not so much that. But the peace that the Lord is promising Israel and the peace to the church and to us today, it is simply that your life will be fortified from your enemies. Meaning you will dwell in safety and security and the enemies can't take what God has given to you. That is the peace that the Lord promised. It's the peace that David had. No enemy could come against Jerusalem when David was king. And for us here today, if Jesus is your king, No enemy can destroy your life. Praise God. That's the peace he wants to bring you. Maybe some of you don't really have peace on your mind. Well, let me tell you how special peace really is. You know, a lot of us, when we come into church, I got handshakes, I got a few hugs. You know what most of uh, everybody was saying to me and what I was saying to them is, praise the Lord, right? That's our way of saying good to see you, but even more so, before we even greet each other, God is to be praised even before we have a nice conversation. We want God to be praised even in our greetings. But it's, how are you doing? You know, good to see you. Happy Palm Sunday. I hope you have a good week. See you later. Here in America, you know what we usually are speaking upon each other? Goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good to see you. If you really want to get away from them, but trying not to let them know, you just say, God bless your heart, all right? All right? That bless your heart, okay? Right? None of that here at TLC. 
But I think America and the church as a whole, we long to get back to Genesis 1. When God saw the first day and said, it's so good. The second day, it's good. Third day, it's good. It's good. It's good. We're wanting to get back to what is good. Because overall, we have a good level of peace in our culture and society. We don't have to live in fear of an enemy nation in Jesus' name surrounding Kansas City, surrounding the big cities of America right now to take us down. For the most part, we dwell in peace with our enemies. In Jesus' name, let's continue to pray for that and want that. You know what I think is lacking in our world right now? It is goodness. And anytime you say good morning to somebody, I think God takes it seriously and wants to do something good for them. Speaking blessings upon somebody. Amen. But in Jerusalem, they would rather have peace than something good. Because you can have something good and not have peace, and the good doesn't even matter. To them, to have peace is everything to them. When they see each other in the morning, they say shalom, which is salim, shalom. On their Sabbaths, they say shabbat shalom. It means I wish you peace on the Sabbath. They greet each other with it. They say goodbye to it. They pray to God for it. They live it and talk about it. You know what they're longing for? To have their enemies out of their land that God gave to them. And Jesus said, you could have had it. You would have just received it. But they rejected it. God on this Palm Sunday is speaking to somebody here today. I want to give you peace. And you can have it if you will just turn to me. The Lord is weeping for the peace of the people. You know, the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the stripes that were upon his back, he did it for our healing. But what did he do for our peace? He was on the cross with the nails in his hands for our sins. The spear in his side for all of the bad things we did. He died and his soul went to hell so you and I wouldn't have to. And he came out of that grave and went to heaven so one day you and I could follow him up there. But what did he do to give us peace? What did he do to give us this type of power to have our enemies on the outside and not within? You know what he did? He wept for it. The tears of our Lord came out of his eyes, gushing out of his eyes, and crying out for a loud voice for Jerusalem, for the world, and for us here today in Kansas City, for your peace. Tears are powerful, let me tell you. The Bible says that in heaven the Lord numbers our tears and keeps them in a bottle. You know, I love to raise my hands unto the Lord. I love to clap my hands. I love to tap my foot and get down during worship, you know. But the Bible doesn't say that the Lord has numbered your hand raising. It doesn't say he's numbered your hand clapping or your foot stomping or your aisle running or your holy rolling or any of that. Now that entertains God. Don't ever stop it. But the number one thing that God keeps track of in heaven to reward us one day with is our tears. Our tears. Anybody ever had a good cry and it just solved all the problems? Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. I just need a good cry. I just need a good cry. 
Sometimes you don't need a nap. You need a good cry. A good cry will do it. And God did it because he knew what was coming. I'll never forget when I was about 14 or 15. I was a struggling teenager. I thank God for a church that didn't give up on me but loved me. And I knew I had to get to the altar. I knew I couldn't figure all my life out. I was kind of having my own little identity crisis with me and the Lord, you know, school, friends, pulling on my heart here, the church pulling on me there, and I was just so torn. But I knew that out in the world I never felt peace. I even tried to live like the world for a while. I couldn't talk like them. I couldn't dress like them. They finally looked and said, Justin, you don't got it. Quit trying to be cool like us, man. Be the preacher apostolic kid. And the day that I chose to do that, I've been, never been happier. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I'll never forget, I came down to the altar, just um, confused, trying to grow up, trying to leave childhood, trying to become a man. And I'll never forget being down there at that altar. And it's just us here today, but me and my dad weren't even getting along at that season. Very difficult for him to speak in my life because I've become so stubborn. I'll never forget being down there at the altar, and out the corner of my eye, I watched my dad in his burgundy floor shine wingtip shoes come walking right up. And I saw the knee go down, and I felt that hand on top of my head, and he began to pray for me. And I got to tell you, it didn't do much for me right then and there, but you know what all of a sudden touched my heart when I felt warm tears on the back of my neck? And I felt the tears of my pastor. And my bishop, you know what he was crying for? He was getting a glimpse of my future, where I was headed if I didn't get it right. And that oftentimes happens. I've done this for people. I'll be praying for them, not a tear in my eye, speaking peace over them, and all of a sudden tears start gushing out of my eyes. And that's always been a sign to me they're headed for trouble. They're headed for a life where the enemy is about to take control. And the Holy Ghost moves upon me through tears that try to correct them from it. God does not want to send you to a bad place. He doesn't want your life to fall apart. But you know what he wants? To restore some goodness unto you. He wants to save you. He wants to protect you. And yes, he's a God of judgment, but not right now. You're in a judgment-free zone here at TLC. All right? I know the other day I said TLC is a big swimming pool. TLC right now is a big fitness center that may or may not have a planet in it. We've got... (laughs) You know what? We've got people coming here. As long as you come in peace, you can come here. We've got people here, it's your first time on that treadmill and you got your hands on it. You got candy bars you're sneaking in your pocket while you're walking around. At least you're here. You made it. And you ought to be proud of yourself. Come on, yes. We got people that have been coming for a while. All right, it's time to quit the treadmill. Let's. Go on over here to the machines, you know, and pull that pin out and put it under maybe number 10. And, oh, I can lift it. Starting to move a little bit in worship, starting to feel it, you know. It went from this 
you know, to this and nodding the head a little bit. You may not be getting down here like some of us apostolics have been doing this for a while, but when you start moving like this, pretty soon it's this, pretty soon it's this, pretty soon it's you keep going. And then we got some apostolics over there in the squat rack, 400 pounds. Lightweight, lightweight, yeah. You're in a judgment-free zone because a Lord, amen, got on a cross for you for your peace. He cried out for you. He wept over you. He wants to give you peace today. I've come to tell you you're in a judgment-free zone, but you're not in a warning-free zone. And I've come to tell you the enemy is going to be allowed to wreak havoc on this world like nothing anybody has ever seen. And the only way to escape it, there's not enough prep work that can be done. There's not a nuclear bunker that can do it. The only safety that you have is the peace and safety that the Lord Jesus Christ has promised us from heaven. He wept over your soul. He died for your soul. He rose again for your soul just so you could have this great peace, just so you could have your own Jerusalem and your own life and your own family. And if you will turn to him, he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. Praise God. I'm crying right now. I didn't plan on it, but I am because I know there's somebody out there. You're headed for bad things. It may look cool. It may be the thing that you've always wanted to do. And you're thinking, I'm not going to worry about what grandma says. I'm not going to worry about what my Pentecostal parents say. I'm not going to worry about what youth pastor says or this person says or this person says. And already in your mind, you're living like the world. I'm crying for you right now. You are headed for destruction. The day is going to come when you will regret that. But the tears of our Lord, amen, amen, they poured out upon the ground for you to say, I've had enough of this world. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm coming to his kingdom. I'm tired of my sin. I'm tired of the darkness. I'm ready to get on board with this, amen. I don't know exactly what will happen, but I know one thing I'll have, and that is peace. Praise the name of the Lord. Not too long ago, I was out on a date with my wife, and uh, we were downtown at an old steakhouse. May or may not have the word majestic in it. Anybody know about that spot? And our server came up and was talking to us, and I looked at him, and I thought, I know this guy. I know this guy. Where do I know this guy from? And it clicked. I hadn't seen him in about 10 years. He's a pastor's son. My age, used to go to youth camps together, went to the same Bible college together. And I thought, how in the world are you here right now? You know, it's business. I didn't want to get into all of that with him, but we just small talk, took great care of us, left him a great tip. I got his number. I said, let's meet up sometime. He said, I'd like that. And uh, we met at a coffee shop, and I walked into it promising myself, don't bring up God. Don't bring up church. 
let's talk about the good old days. And uh, we got our coffees, we sat down and small talk for about 45 seconds. And he said, all right, let's get to it. Let's talk about God and why I don't, why I'm not in church anymore. And I'm like, well, I, I wasn't planning on bringing it up, but since you did. And he opened up to me and he said, I don't understand how you are living for God. How are you able to live for God with all of the hypocrisy? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I saw this happen in church, and I saw that happen in church, and I saw this happen in church, and that happen in church, and this, and this, and this. And I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, I saw those things too. Matter of fact, I saw it worse than you did. Not here at TLC. And, and we went on and on and on about all the bad things we saw and, and the people and the this and the that and the other. And I said, you want to know what the difference is between you and me? I said, Jesus said, you know, beware of the hypocrites, the ones who make it all only an act. The religion is not real. It's all an act. It's all to be seen. It's not to praise the Lord, to uplift the Lord. It's all to, a show for the people. Anytime they get out and pray and chant in the corners and, and say their long verses and, and wear the robes that drag 30 feet behind them and the big boxes on their heads, you know, that was all a show. I said, those people you're talking about, it's a show. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Jerusalem in the time of Christ was full of hypocrites. They only looked spiritual, but they were so far from God. They couldn't pray anybody through, couldn't see a miracle, but Jesus comes in without the 50-foot-long robe, without a huge box on his head, without chanting long prayers, but just praying simple prayers like our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us a stare. There's so simple prayers like that. He was able to change the community because it was real. And I said to him, Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. I said, you know what happened to me when I saw hypocrisy? It didn't make me want to run from God. It made me want to run closer to God. Because I know the Lord said the hypocrites have their place in the lake of fire for all eternity. And I don't want to be in the lake of fire for all eternity. Whether you're a hypocrite or a heathen, they all go to the same place. And I wanted to run back to God. He said, you got a point there. As I talked to him, I couldn't help it. I began to cry. And he said, what are you crying for, man? People are looking. I said, bro, I'm concerned for your soul. I'm so concerned for your soul. He said, I'm not. I'm enjoying my life. I like it the way it is. I'm finally able to have freedom. I don't feel bound. And what I wanted to say to him, oh, no, you are bound by something dark and something so evil and something so awful that is not leading to good things. Where are you headed to? What's your future? What's your eternity look like? I cried for him. I wept over him, and I'm still crying and praying over him. That'll happen to us, church. You begin to weep uncontrollably, you're weeping for somebody's soul. You're in your house, mom, and you start crying, it's probably for one of your children. You start crying, it's probably for somebody else. Let those tears go. You could just be for fighting for somebody's peace. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand.
Praise God. Let me hear you say Kansas. All right. Now let me hear you say Kansas. You just spoke in the ancient Kansas from the Sioux family, a Native American word. And you know what you just spoke? Mighty wind. That is the ancient name for this territory, loud wind. Everybody's house okay from the other night, that big wind that came through a couple nights ago? Ooh, I tell you, man, scary. This is the territory of mighty wind. Jesus wept for a city that he wanted to bring peace to. You know what I'd like to think? Jesus wants to weep for a city where he wants to send the heavenly wind from heaven that sounds like a mighty rushing mighty wind here upon this city. The city is prospering. The city is growing. I'm meeting people all the time that are moving from the west coast here. New jobs, new businesses. Things are expanding. The city is on the move. More people are moving here than are leaving here. Things are happening in our town. It's a great city. But it doesn't mean nothing if it doesn't have God. And the Lord is wanting to know today if there are any here from Kansas City in this metropolitan area, if you're not right with the Lord, He's got tears for you. He's got a heart for you. He's got nails in his hands for you. I wonder if the beginning of this Palm Sunday, this holy week, we could run to God and repent of our sins and make it right with him. I wonder if there's anybody here, amen, you've been crying for somebody. You want to come at this altar and weep for somebody today. If there's anybody here, you know somebody has been crying for you and you want to take advantage of it. The altar call is for you today. I want to know if there's anybody that's hungry just for peace in your life. Peace is here for you today. God's shalom is here for you today. I wouldn't worry about what anybody thinks. I would get down to the altar right now and say, I can trust a God that will cry for me. I can trust the Lord that would weep for me. I can trust the Lord, amen, that wants to bring peace to my life and peace to my soul. Hallelujah. I know we've been shouting lately. I know we've been, we've been really getting after it. But today's a day where God wants to feel the tears. He wants to cry for somebody from his throne today. He wants to weep for Kansas City today. He wants to weep for TLC today. He wants to weep for families today. Will you listen to the weeping Jesus today to turn from your sin, to turn from your wicked ways? Come on, the enemy is close. Don't mock it. Don't look the other way. But believe the tears of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, weep for the family. Weep for the city. Hallelujah. It's not just tears, it's weeping. It's a spiritual thing. And the Lord will number them in a bottle in heaven for you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel peace right now. God has already seen some of your tears. Peace is coming right now. Hallelujah. You know what else goes with tears? It's wailing. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Touch this city of great wind. Touch this great people here at Life Church. 
We're not the dead church. We're the life church. And I pray your peace and your life would descend upon us right now, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.